back to Call Me By Your Game, the podcast where I, your host, Connor McCabe, bring on a guest to discuss a meaningful game from someone's past. On the show, if you've been listening, you'll know that we not only discuss what the guests loved and enjoyed about the game and any memories they may have about it, but also we dive into the context of how and when they fell in love with the game for the first time or potentially revisit it. Who knows what our guest is going to share today. A little bit of housekeeping up top. Uh, If you are looking to support us, you can do that a few different ways. You can, of course, uh, check us out on Patreon. We are at patreon.com slash super NPC radio, where we have a ton of bonus content for you uh, from our little indie network that could. There's stuff from Video Games, a comedy show, reactivators inside video games with chill ideas. And then there's uh, bonus episodes of this show, uh, called the co-op episodes, where I have a group of people on to discuss a uh, meaningful game to a group of us. It's a little different than this one-on-one interview I do, but those are available at the $10 DJ Toad tier. And our guest today is uh, a little preview for you all. He's going to be on the next one. Um, you can, of course, rate and review us uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts. If it's on Apple Podcasts, I will see it and I will read it on the show if it's positive and uh, not rude. And then, which, of course, we still haven't had yet. I feel like I'm tempting fate every time I say say that. Someone's going to, just to spite me, even if they like the show, they're going to uh, tank us. But, yeah, if you leave a review somewhere, send it to me, and I'll read it on the show. Uh, and then, of course, you can share the show with a friend, whether they love uh, video games in general, the game we're discussing today, or have a little crushy-washy on our uh, guest today. And, of course, we're on social media at Call Me By Your Game Pod on Instagram and Twitter at Call Me By Your Game, but just the one Y. So that's B Y O U R. That'll do it for the housekeeping of the show. And we'll finally introduce our esteemed guest for today. So please welcome. Uh, he likes to be known as a solely an improviser. Uh, Mike Christian, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. And thank you for saying exactly what I want to promote myself as. I've never written anything down. I've never recorded anything. It's all of my art evaporates immediately, and that's how I like it. I'm hey, totally you know what? Improv. We're one and the same, buddy. Um, <laughs> if we were looking back a few years, it might be like, oh, no, this this works for us. Uh, but anyway, dude, so glad to have you on the show. Um, uh, how are you doing? Are you, are you having a nice morning over there in this chilly Los Angeles? Yeah, uh, thank you. I'm doing pretty good good uh i feel like i'm i sound very nasally uh i woke up this morning it was very cold in my room Mm. because in los angeles um everything is not insulated uh, so you end up paying more for heating costs and um, air conditioning costs in the summer uh it's a great system and we love it and we don't want to change it uh but (laughs) actually it's a it's a beautiful clear morning it rained all day yesterday um beautiful wow I think this is our first weather update on the show. We usually don't talk about it, but I just, you know, I felt like asking you. So here we are. Um, Mike, we've been friends for a few years. I don't, I honestly don't remember like meeting you one specific time. I think you were probably someone that like we were at shows a lot together and had sort of maybe missed our meeting opportunity to where we were like, oh yeah, we know each other sort of thing. Um, But I do remember... I think the first time I saw you perform, you were doing a show with, I think it was a three prov set, which uh, for the listener at home, that's when three people do an improv set, probably went over your head. 
Um, at the clubhouse in the treehouse, it was you, uh, Hannah Faust, and I don't remember who the third person would have been. It was probably but... Celeste. It was probably me. Oh. Because uh, we had a three-person team called Sick Burn. Yes. Uh, and I remember we, this is, we're really getting into the weeds here immediately, but I remember we got to play Boss Jr. It was like the first, which was at, at wow. the time a very big deal indie show. And I remember being asked to play at being maybe just two years into doing improv. Yeah. And I thought it was as if, you know, Johnny Carson calls you over to the desk, kind of. You know what I mean? In my mind, I was like, whoa, we are cool. Because Boss Jr., they would get real people. They would get, I've seen like, you know, Thomas Middleditch and Ben Schwartz and people like that play. Yes. That show. Um, they did but, have some big, that was like an, from at least what I can remember, one of those big shows, they would always pack the treehouse, which is, you know, it's of course easier to do, but they really brought a lot of good energy. And uh, that must have been when I saw it. That must have been that show. Um, that's so wacky, man. Uh, and and just, I remember we did solidly okay. <laughs> yeah, baby. Hey, Leash didn't tank. Uh, yeah. That that always feels the worst. Um, so that's, I think, when you you know, first appeared in my consciousness. This is probably like 2017 or so, I want to say. Um, but we ended up becoming friends, like actual friends, like th three years ago when you and a few of our former guests of the show uh, were on a mess hall team, Bordeaux, together. So we're really getting into the improv weeds. But for some reason, I think it was when we did our um, – we were doing a couple, uh, a couple sketch shows at UCB that – we were all sort of hanging out, and then, then you know, the rest is history, Mike. Truly. I mean, I remember meeting – I think I do remember meeting you at the clubhouse. And being nice. Like, oh, I don't know who this kid is, but he's aggressively nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is true. So some people um, – and I don't know if you got this sense or feeling, but I have heard from people that they uh, – when they meet me, they assume I'm being disingenuous – um, which, which is absolutely fair. Um, and, uh, so I know that I can give off that sort of, uh, vibe sometimes. So, um, it's possible that the same happened when we met. Yeah, well, I think you meet a lot of people in the improv comedy world out in LA and everyone is like, there is kind of like a fear of uh, being sincere at times. Mm. And that's what everyone's like, I'm doing a bit with you immediately. And yeah. I think when you would come in just very earnest and like <laughs> friendly, I think people would be like, how do I disarm this to not get my actual <laughs> emotions involved? But yes. It's refreshing. It's very refreshing. And I'm glad that you are the way you are. Oh, thank you. Uh, I've been, you know, it took a little longer into this episode. I was sort of fishing for uh, that compliment, maybe <laughs> around minute six, but we got there. Um and yeah, we just became much better friends over the last few years. Even as you've been in Utah, it's been fun to keep in touch. And we try to hang out when you're in town. Of course, former guests of the show, uh, Rob Skirbo is your roommate. Uh, Austin Williams, a recent guest, is your uh, lover. If I if I can, if that's, I think that's the way you two like to be framed, right? Yes. Uh, yes. Paramours. Yes, of course. <laughs> and uh David Danella, Alex Bernard, all those people were we were kind of hanging out together. And then of course Rob when he came back. But 
that's how I know you, but there's a lot more that you've been doing and that's been going on in your life uh, since we were just in the throes of the improv scene in LA. Uh, what do you want to share with the listener about yourself and who the heck is this Mike Christian? Um, well, listener, uh, yeah, I, I think I like to think that I'm at the beginning of my writing career. Um, I've been writing on a sketch show um, for the past two years, about to do a third year. Um, yeah, I, I'm just, I know at the beginning I said I don't like writing things down and recording things, but I'm actually, <laughs> I'm really trying to flip that. I'm really trying to record, uh, film as much stuff as I can, be a, I guess, an independent filmmaker. Um, and yeah, just, I'm, I'm just trying to make a career, ladies and gentlemen. Please, won't you help me? <laughs> so if there's anyone out there who has the ability to help our dear Michael Christian, please do. Uh, yeah, we've, you know, this is no surprise. Sometimes when I have guests on, uh, I like know a little bit about what's going on with them or I don't know. So hearing from them is as brand new information. Um, but uh, but I've been able to hang out with you a few times recently. So I know this is going on and I can corroborate this listener. I have seen Mike Christian on set within the last seven days uh, involving himself comedically. So he's telling the truth. Um, well, this dude, is the most roundabout way to say that I've been working. <laughs> he's been yes, involving uh, himself comedically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I could have just said that a lot more simply. <laughs> um, well, dude, thank you for, uh, for being here. Uh, I'm really excited to talk about video games with you today. Before we get into your general history, would you uh, give us uh, a little preview of the game we're going to be discussing later? Do you want me to say what it is? Or I would just—I just... could have just also said that simply. Would you tell us the game, just the title of the game that we're going to talk about? The title of the game is Grand Theft Auto Three. Wow, here we are finally doing a GTA game on this show. Oh, you've Only never t- done a single one. Not one, dude. And this is episode ninety-eight. Uh, wow. Of like one on one, the one on one interviews. So and this is this is like a video game podcast, never discussing Star Wars. You know this <laughs> this is this is. A I think big you mean franchise. a movie podcast, right? Oh, sorry, yeah, a movie podcast. Yeah, this is a. We big have franchise. talked about Star Wars games. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's uh, yeah. It'll it should be a really uh, good time. I'm interested to hear from you, uh, pretty soon. But let's talk about your general history with games, Mike. Were when you were introduced to games. Was it something that was just sort of like around like the house or did you like take an interest and have to like seek them out? Initially, I did seek them out. Uh, Initially, my parents were very poor and there were no video games in the house. But I remember being like a a child under five years old and my neighbor, this guy, Mario, his name was Mario. And he (laughs) (laughs) he had a Nintendo Entertainment System like the original NES with a duck hunt uh, gun. Yes, the zapper. I'd go over to his house and play it, and it was incredible. And it wasn't yeah. until I was probably six or seven that I got a Super Nintendo. Ooh. And, and from there, we were off to the races. I mean, I, I got into Super Mario, Brother, uh, Super Mario World and Legend of Zelda, Link to the Past. I can tell you're from the... I mean, I know you're from... The East Coast. You're from New Jersey because oh, you I'm pronounce Mario Mario. I'm so yeah. this. Is, I just have to point it out. Um, Everyone. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. No, I yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah, and then from there, I I I was that guy who had a Super Nintendo and a Genesis at one point. Like I was. Whoa. 
So you went from being uh like uh, the poor, poor kid to like the richest kid in the world. Yes, the richest kid in the world <laughs> who had, <laughs> had to – how expensive were those back in the day? Like I have – probably – you know, at the time, I think uh, $150, $200. Yeah, spared no expense for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, and then I, I was – from there, it was really uh, – it's been a lifelong journey, you know. Uh, okay. I remember getting really into the original Xbox with Halo and – Ooh. Uh, yeah, PlayStation 2. Uh, yeah, right now I'm deep into my PlayStation 4. I'm holding out for the next gens, waiting for the chip shortage to end. Gosh. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm in deep, dude. I'm uh, so happy to hear this. I, I sort of thought that was the case for you regarding your video game journey because since we've become friends and I have been making appearances at your homes, uh, I have seen video game consoles. I've seen this PS4. Uh, so I knew you were, um, that you've been playing stuff for a while, but that's really cool. Do you have, um, a, a favorite console, um, from your entire history of gaming? Is there one that's like the most special to you? I think the one that I probably played the most was PlayStation 2. I mean, I know. I think I'm not alone. I think that wasn't it like the most successful console of all time. Best selling console ever, still. Yeah. Um that I, I did play my Xbox three sixty until it red ringed. Um, oh. And I, I played it so much I would do a thing. So I got the red ring and then if you wrapped up your Xbox three sixty in like a sweater and turned it back on, whatever that thing that had melted would remelt and fill out I, I forget what it was, it was some sort of heat sink thing. It would it huh. would work again for a little bit, but then eventually it would overheat again and red. Yes. Me, so, um, but, you like ju- yeah. you brought it back to life briefly. Uh, yeah, you could revive a red ring three sixty <laughs> temporarily, and I. And we're did. talking like the white three sixty, like the OG. Wow, incredible! What so as far as the PS two goes, besides the game that we're gonna discuss today, um, what are some other big hits for you on that console? Well, I had, I remember the first game I had, I think it came with Madden 2000. Cool. Uh, and which was the first time I was playing a video game and my grandpa walked into the room and said, I was playing uh, Madden and he's like, oh, is there a football game today? And I was like, grandpa, this is not real. <laughs> but, but I remember at the time thinking like, but I get it, dude, these graphics are something else. Yes, but, yes. <laughs> and looking back, it probably looks insane, like an animatic. Uh, but yeah, but I had that. I had Time Splitters Two was a big one. For Ooh. Me. Um. Yeah, and then probably the one, the easy uh, favorite would be the game we're about to talk to today, which I Ooh. played just relentlessly, just hours Amazing. and hours and hours. Very cool. Uh, do you, uh, as far as your gaming history goes, do you have you had any like big gaps? in of like periods of time where it's like oh there's like kind of like three years here where i wasn't really playing anything uh any, any periods like that i think it was just recently until i got my playstation 4 uh, mm. because i moved i remember when i moved to la in like 2014 i had my 360 okay and it had already been breaking a bunch and i revived it a couple more times and then it broke i, I remember i was trying to play grand theft auto 4 on it and it was completely broken oh. and i I, at that point, was a pretty poor. I had, you know, I was bartending sporadically. And I didn't have a video game system 
for at least a couple of years. Mm. And I waited until the PlayStation 4 had gone into its slim cycle or whatever. Oh, nice. And then I, I, I remember waiting until I got a PlayStation 4 slim and like two games for like two ninety nine or something. Wow. Like I really, now that I've gotten older, I realize if you can just wait on video games and like not, don't read Nintendo Power. Don't find out what the cutting edge stuff is. <laughs> yes. And then wander into a GameStop four years later. The world is your oyster, baby. I mean, yeah. I already flashed these games at you. I'll flash them again. All three oh, of these oh. games, AAA titles, Ooh. I got them for a total of $60 instead of $60 each. Um, so that was a big gap, but uh, but I want to keep doing it. I want to I wanna pretend I don't know what's happening on the cutting edge of video games, and then eventually I'll get a PlayStation 5 when it's a slim or something. And, um, yes, as long as, yeah, there, there's really something to that, being able to sort of hold out at the first couple years of a console's life. And now... I mean, a lot of people, like, that's just the option you have because of the chip shortage and scalpers stealing all of, I mean, not stealing, like, but sort of stealing all the available consoles when they go up on, on like, online retailers. Um, it's tough. And a lot of things are available on the previous gen anyway. Almost mm-hmm. everything. Not every single title, but, um, well, I wish you luck in that journey uh, on, you know, getting a getting one of these new consoles eventually um, so that you can have some new fun. But the last question I have for you, Mike, about your history with gaming is uh, has there been a game or two in the last few years that has, uh, that have really stuck with you? Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think Red Dead Redemption 2 was a really, Ooh, nice. one that really stuck in my brain. Uh and The Last of Us Part Two, you know, wow. I've gotten more into those sorts of games that are like, you know, you are almost watching a movie and reading a book mm-hmm. and playing a video game at the same time. But I will say the game that I I just looked at the hours played the other night and I got very scared. It was a triple digit number of hours played, and uh, it was a game that I talked about on. <laughs> on uh, other video game podcasts called Earth Defense Force Five. Yes, and I just can't get enough of this thing. It is, it's just a shoot 'em up where you keep getting new weapons and destroying giant bugs. But man, uh, some people they hate this thing, but I cannot get enough. And this is you and Rob are playing this together in co-op, right? Split screen, baby, local co-op. Ooh, I love it. And so it's a third-person action game, correct? Action shooter. Yes, I want to. I really want to tell all your listeners they got to get this game. You can, you got to get Earth Defense Force Five. It sounds pretty available too. I paid full price for it because I couldn't help myself. But um, I don't. <laughs> well, know sounds like you got your it. money worth. I oh, I definitely got my money's worth at this point. But I got it through the PlayStation Store because I'm sure you can find it a physical copy. But these games are just not that popular in the United States because yeah, they're not polished in the way that we expect the game to be nowadays hmm. interesting uh well that i've gotten to hear from you uh about playing this game recently so that's been fun um but dude thank you for walking me through just some of your gaming history uh that was really it's fun to sort of paint that picture for you um in my brain now that i just know a little bit more about about who this guy is um We're going to go ahead and take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll discuss all things uh, GTA 3 
how does that sound, Mike? Sounds wonderful. Okay, great. Well, uh, I'll see you on the other side. You are listening to The Fat Lady Sings on Double Clef FM. I'm Morgan Merriweather. Call Me By Your Game, of course, here to discuss Grand Theft Auto 3 with Mike Christian. Mike, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me throughout the break. Thank you for not kicking me off. You are so welcome. If only the listener could see the cool poses you've been doing during the show. That was sort of like a fighter stance, like I'm here, I'm ready. You, you had like a karate one earlier. Um, I'm expecting uh, maybe a third one at some point, so surprise me if you don't mind. I will pop it out at the right moment. You know, this coffee's hitting me, and I'm making poses. So let's ah, do it. I believe it. You've always been one to pop it out at the right moment, Mike Christian. So <laughs> why don't we get into it? Uh, like I told you before, I'm going to share a little bit of history and context about this game uh, to give the listener uh, just an idea of where it sits. And if you want to uh, interrupt me or add on, please do, because um, I want to make sure we get whatever important points are here. Um, But I'll go ahead and kick it off for us. Grand Theft Auto 3, aka GTA 3, is a 2001 action-adventure game developed by DMA Design and published by Rockstar Games. Set within the fictional city, fictional, excuse me, Liberty City, loosely based on uh, New York City, the story follows a silent protagonist, Claude, who after being betrayed and left for dead by his girlfriend during a robbery, embarks on a quest for revenge that leads him to getting entangled in a world of crime, drugs, gang warfare, and corruption. Uh, is that pretty much, as, as far as like plot goes, a loose enough synopsis for what this game is, at least the story part? Yeah, and this, you know, a silent protagonist, the story is not deep. I, I mean, maybe yeah. it was. I, I'm sure there were, there, it just seemed like the story in my mind was like, okay, Here's a little crime boss you're working for. Here's a more powerful crime boss now. He's got some missions for you. Here's a more powerful man. He also has, you know, it, it really yeah. was just, I, if you asked, you said his name was Claude. I had no idea, but that doesn't make <laughs> sense. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, because that's probably, as we might even hear from you, um, the story doesn't seem to be the big reason that this game broke out or that a lot of people really played it. Um, yeah. The, the game itself is played from a third-person perspective, and the open-world design lets players roam Liberty City's three main areas. Um, much of development involved transforming popular elements from the GTA series into a fully 3D world for the first time. Uh, this is the first 3D GTA game that's not top-down. Mike, did you ever play either of the first two? No. No, because uh, no. I, I remember after I found this game, people were like, oh, yeah, there's other there's two other games, which obviously there's three in the title. But yeah. And I looked them up and I was like, this looks unplayable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, something that I think if you're a fan, if you were a fan of the series before this one, you probably enjoyed and could get into. But it's a very difficult thing to go back to. Um, just this people should check it out. If you don't know, just Google like GTA one or two. It's uh, really interesting. Um Anyway, uh, it was delayed following the September 11th attacks to allow the team to change references and gameplay deemed 
inappropriate. Um, it like we, Mike and I were discussing before the show. Uh, there are uh, a handful of games that had to do this too. I think even on the um, I almost said Mission Impossible too, the Metal Gear Solid two episode with Jackie's like a year and a half ago, we talked about some of the things they had to change there. Um, uh, did you have a question, or were you gonna say something about that, oh, no, Mike? I'm just fiddling with my face, but is, oh, fiddle is away! This the game is, is this the game where the the airplane was like unflyable because it was it was so hard to control? And yes, they did that on purpose. So you were like, okay, now people because people would just imitate 9-11 is what they were afraid of i think that was the fear yes and that exactly there i watched a few videos on this game and read about it to uh be prepared jumping into this podcast with you but yes the plane it's like a miracle if you can get it off the ground for like eight seconds (laughs) because it's just such a piece of crap and yeah they didn't want people to do that they also i think uh they changed the color the colors of like the cop cars in liberty city to because they were originally like the light blue sort of the royal blue like the, the nypd has and then they made it to be more of like san francisco or lapd of like the darker dark 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 navy um uh anyway uh it was eventually released uh for in october 2001 so just delayed about a month uh for the ps2 and may 2002 for windows and october 2003 for xbox and you said you played this on ps2 correct yeah okay um gta3 received critical acclaim with praise particularly directed at its concept and gameplay it also generated controversy because of its depiction of violence and sex uh this is also this might even be like this idea the controversy might be more famous than the game itself at least this one i i didn't even have a ps2 or know what it was but like this was the poster child for bad games for a while do you remember anything about that yes i remember a lot of hand wringing about this game because (laughs) you know pundits on you know cable news being like a game where you can have sex with a prostitute then shoot her and take the money yes i I think i remember being like oh yeah i could kill them and just take the money back after (laughs) thanks for the idea (laughs) but i mean it's also funny because like looking back on it you would get in a car with the prostitute, and then the car would just kind of rock back and forth. Yes. And then they would get out. It's it's pretty cartoonish. Um, it is. Um, it also, because I have seen the sh- shots of that too. Uh, have you watched Party Down before? Party Down, yeah, absolutely. There's a really great scene in season two where uh, Ken Marino and Megan Mullally, they're trying to make someone jealous. Um, I think Ken Marino's like insecure about his girlfriend, so they're like in a catering tent and they start making all this like noise like they're having sex but they're not doing anything and it's really over the top um this kind of reminds me of that like they could just be like moving around in the seats trying to be like okay everyone's gonna think we did it now um uh, that was important for me to share with you uh (laughs) it also generated controversy well i already went over that uh it was the best-selling game of 2001 and to date has sold over 14.5 million copies uh, it is considered not only one of the most significant titles of the sixth generation of consoles, but a landmark game for open worlds. Um, an enhanced version of the game was actually just recently released um, as a part of the GTA Definitive Edition. I think that also includes um, uh, Vice City and uh, G- and 
and uh, Los Santos. What San Andreas? San Andreas, that's right. San Andreas, yes. So those three games, um, and it was directly followed. I've heard the saying there's like a lot of a lot of technical issues with the game, and it looks weird in HD um, because it was made for older screens and with like fog effects and stuff like that. Um, the last thing about this game is that it was uh, directly followed by GTA Vice City, which takes place in Miami in 2002, or a Miami-like city. Um, Mike, is there any important bullet points about this game that we should hit before we get into your personal history? Um, no, I mean, yeah, like you were saying, I it's the first game I can remember that had that open world feel. Yeah. You know, I, I really... I. Now it's just like a given. I, I think the new Halo is open world, but like yes. everything is open world now. But I don't remember uh, maybe this and like whenever the Spider-Man 2 video game came out or like the first times I remember this, you know? Yeah. Um, I was trying to think of other games too. And they, as much as, you know, worlds maybe were starting to feel bigger back in this era of, you know, like the sort of the second generation of, 3d model games with big worlds most of them would be like levels that you would be in that were connected even like mario 64 i think i've you know you might hear people call it an open world game but it's not you're going through paintings to get to the levels uh yeah um well thanks dude let's get into it um how did you even come about getting this game did you were you like anticipating it was it something you heard about do you remember it all I I don't remember, but if I had to guess, you know, I was that guy. I had a subscription to like Game Pro and nice. Nintendo Power. Like I was that guy reading. I remember I got like I back back in the day, magazines were a thing. Hell yeah! Uh, and I would get like Wizard magazine for comic books, and I got like Game Pro. And Whoa! Yeah, I was a nerd, so I'm sure I knew about it through there because it wasn't like I was reading, you know, video game blogs at that point. And I'm sure that I asked for it for Christmas of 2021. Uh, I bet you my mom bought it for me or Santa. But um, yeah, because I don't think I would have had money to purchase To it. just pick it up. I was in, what, a sophomore? Yeah, in high school. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember getting it. And I had my PlayStation up in my room at this point. I had my own Ooh. old TV up there. And uh, which was good because I I knew this was a naughty game and I knew my parents <laughs> would be like, what's this? What's going on here? You're just killing random people on the street. Um, so, yeah, I was just going to poison your mind. Yeah, yes, exactly. I would just be up in my room, door closed, baby. You know what I mean? Doing it. Wow. Uh, I'm sure there was, like you said, no other way for you to play this game. This wasn't a living room video game that you could have gotten away with. Um that's uh that's really interesting so what do you remember about the game itself and uh like or what drew you back to it since you said you this is one you've played like put a lot of time into yeah well i remember okay so i'm in high school at this point and i was not i was a late bloomer i didn't really have a lot of friends at this point Mm -hmm. you know i went to a regional high school and I didn't know a lot of the kids and I was so, I had a lot of anxiety and I was very shy and socially awkward, um, social anxiety. And yeah, so, and then I found this game and yes, it was a pretty decently long game, I imagine. I don't really remember the missions, 
Yeah. Um, but what I ended up doing a lot was I would just play the game. I would just drive around aimlessly, you know, go on a crime spree, try to get yeah. out of it, probably die. I remember listening to the radio. And then at a certain point, I I listened to the game so many times. I knew every radio station, every song, every like Laszlo conversation. Yes. And I would just, and this is before podcasts. Man, I sound old. And I, <laughs> I remember I had a, a thing every day after school. I would go home. I'd pop in the game up in my room. And I would listen to this radio program in real life called um, OB and Anthony. <laughs> yes, you mentioned this the other day when we were hanging out, and I was like, I don't know where this is going, but what? Tell us about OB and Anthony. What are these? Who are these guys? Okay, OB and Anthony were shock jocks in the early to, to mid 2000s. They had like an afternoon show, but it was a, sort of like uh, Howard Stern, but a little more gross. Uh, you know, these guys. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I remember they would have like comedians come on i remember like bill burr being on the show i remember ck being on the show oh boy um jay moore remember jay moore yeah i do uh, remember jay moore yeah so and these guys they would do pranks they would like talk shit they would you know just generally be kind of gross and inappropriate yeah. and you know this is you know, nowadays, I think they ended up getting canceled for being <laughs> like for saying stuff either about Obama or about, you know. Oh, uh, that early, huh? Yeah. Like they, they were they were very much shock jocks in that tradition. Um, yeah. And I remember just playing the game. The game would be muted or low volume. And I'd be listening mm-hmm. to this. Th- thinking about this now. I was t- doing two things that were bad. You know what I mean? I was like really like luxuriating in inappropriate content, which when you are a 15 year old boy, that is the peak of that sort of behavior. And it really that is desire, you know, and if I heard those guys now, I'd be like, well, that's not really true what they're saying or OK, that's that's a little mean to X group of people. But yes. uh, but back then. I didn't know any better. I, I, I guess I was just like all the bad parts of what would later come to dominate and destroy the internet. I was kind of sitting in that stew uh, yeah. and, and really enjoying it. Um, just, you know, knowing it was inappropriate and being like, I can't believe I'm doing this. Yeah, you were getting away with uh, with like two crimes at once almost. Yes. Um, it's funny to juxtapose, like you're not the first guest to... Uh, discuss like a, 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 a album or something they were listening to while they were also playing the game. I actually think Austin even brought that up. I don't remember what the album was with, with Echo the Dolphin. Charlie Mihalik is the most the one that sticks out to me the most. He was playing Yoshi's Island on the Super Nintendo and listening to an Alanis Morissette CD. <laughs> um, so like this almost feels like the other side of the coin of Charlie's Yoshi's Island and Alanis Morissette uh, is... Opie and Anthony and playing GTA 3. This is the dark version. This is the darkest timeline. It really um, is. So were, um, was this something that you were just sort of like, uh, you you? I think you painted the picture a little bit, but you were like ruminating in like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. Like I am sort of accessing these thing, these things that I normally wouldn't be able to, or was it just sort of like washing over you as you did it? It was sort of washing over me, but I also was... I was 
fairly um, angsty and angry mm. at this point. You know, like I yeah. was 15. I didn't have a lot of friends. I, I think I, I, there were some girls who were interested in me, but I was so paralyzed with anxiety that I couldn't really, um, uh, you know, actualize that. And yeah. I remember just being like, this is, this is a little embarrassing. I remember being like 15, having never like even kissed a girl and just yeah. being like so angry about it. Man, I, I really sound like an incel. I, I'm like the proto. <laughs> I'm the proto incel. Listening to these like in, inappropriate jock jocks playing this game of wanton violence and just being like, "Why don't girls like me?" But uh, you, you're also on the other side of the coin, like uh, a success story from that. Despite all I got of this, <laughs> yes, you grew you grew up, and I've I've had it. On, I've heard through the grapevine that you've maybe kissed a girl before. I have kissed. I have kissed. Ooh, um, that's huge. I've kissed people who've been on this podcast. But, oh my uh, gosh! But yeah, I, I am a success story. I I was rescued by a my, a girl in high school. She did save me. She brought me out of there. Uh, I remember she kissed. Wow. She let me kiss her, and then I remember one day she was like, we, "We're going to the mall. I'm going to dress you in <laughs> a black t-shirt and old jeans." And she took me to American Eagle and Hell yeah. some clothes. And, uh, but yeah, I, you know, it, it's weird. Looking back on it, you know, I remember I was very like young conservative too at this point. Because my yeah. dad is like, my dad it was like listening to Rush Limbaugh every day. And I would, oh, then, no. be, I would then be parroting those talking points uh, when I go to school. And uh, yeah, I, I really like, I, I can see a reality where like I remain angry and I turn into this sort of, you know, I think a lot of people who are on the internet nowadays, um, sort of like, uh, you know, parroting Joe Rogan or like Tucker Carlson. And, and I mm-hmm. think part of it is like, hey, you know, I don't go along with the mainstream. I'm thinking individually. And I'm also upset with the way the world is because it's not serving me yes I, I i was on that path and only by talking to people different than me and reading books was i able to <laughs> free myself from it and be like oh wait okay no i have a very good life um yeah i'm my problems come from within more or less uh sure <laughs> but yeah but hearing all this now man i feel like i'm in therapy i'm really making connections here uh yeah well, I am a licensed been. therapist, so that that oh. works. And yeah. how much does this cost? Well, I'll be billing. Uh, I'll be billing you after uh, after the show. But let's just say <laughs> my hourly rate is a little high. Okay. Well, that's not what you want to hear uh, from the therapist. Forty minutes into the podcast. <laughs> um, that is. It is really interesting to hear from you on all that, and I feel like to a a much smaller degree let's just i mean listener i was way better of a kid than mike was i wasn't even close i mean i'm just kidding i also you know having grown up in a conservative home uh and you know being like a protestant christian kid growing up that's just where a lot of people obviously lean uh which hasn't changed today it's only more exaggerated for the most part but i also like look back at views I had and like things that I thought that I like 
I remember doing a mock vote because I was a senior in high school when Obama was elected. And our <laughs> AP, and I, but it was funny because I grew up in, in like a farm town. Modesto is like a traditional farm town, but it uh, it is slightly more liberal than it is conservative. But it's like pretty close to a 50-50 split. Um, but so most of the kids I want to say would also probably have been like a little maybe liberal. But we did a like a mock vote for the election. And in our AP government class or maybe it was a econ i don't know what it was at this point uh mccain won that election so in our <laughs> alternate timeline john mccain beat obama and i i don't remember my teacher commenting on it at all looking back i'm certain that man is not a conservative um but i wonder what he must have felt when that happened like oh fuck these even these kids these are supposed to be like the the smart ones who are like in touch with what's going on but yeah. I, I remember doing that, but like, vote, you know, voting for McCain, not even know it. And I actually couldn't vote. I was a little, I was two weeks too young to vote in that election. Uh, not even knowing why I would have done that, but just, I think whether it's growing up in a household that has certain beliefs and not seeking stuff out for yourself, you also just can end up falling into that. I don't know if you, you resonate with that at all. Yes. Well, I mean, when you have one side of the story, only yeah and it's your parents i mean like you know because growing up your dad is you listen to what your dad says and Mm -hmm. he knows what's best and you know we were uh yeah and i grew up in like a a pleasant suburb i would describe it as in new jersey and yeah my dad would just he was a big reagan guy you know he loved loved rush topical yes um topical yes trending on twitter uh, nothing, <laughs> and I just want to say there's nothing wrong with being good at oral sex. That is no. not a crime. In fact, I mean, it's a bummer to learn that Nancy Reagan was, is in fact the throat goat. Um, <laughs> because, you know, you don't want to believe evil people can do great things, but apparently, yeah. apparently you can. And sorry but, to interrupt yeah. you. I'm yeah, so glad we got no. that on the show. It's funny. I, yeah, I'm so glad that's in. Yes. Uh, <laughs> But also, again, like I'm saying about guys who will uh, listen to Joe Rogan nowadays, there is something satisfying uh, with uh, in a young man's mind of everyone in your grade is like, uh, you know, Ronald Reagan was bad. And then Mm -hmm. you can sit there and be like, oh, was he? Did you guys like the Soviet Union? And now now suddenly you feel like, oh, I am the counterculture. I am the one who's uh, bucking. conformist thinking and yes it's very enticing to a young man especially one who hasn't discovered his place in the world yet definitely uh, and i i remember being in i had a philosophy class in high school i was it was i was the only kid who wasn't like yeah i'm a socialist <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> and I, all the way I back remember, in 01 yeah and i remember getting these giant arguments and i but at the same time, the teacher who was super liberal, he was even like, good, I'm glad that you're in here, you know, saying a different viewpoint. But, um, but yeah, but now, now I'm like, okay, I was just saying what my dad had told me. And, you know, it's, I don't, I don't believe any of that stuff anymore. Listener, I don't believe any of that. And I, as much as I want to throw him under the bus, listener, from what I know about Mike, he's telling the truth. 
<laughs> gosh, I just wanted to throw you under the bus today, but I didn't get the chance. Um, yeah, I mean, I feel like we could probably, uh, having you know similar backgrounds, talk about that sort of idea and even more, even greater detail and how things change. Kind of like for um, for me too, it was like, oh, just leaving home was like started a trend of being exposed to different people, different viewpoints, different cultures that, you know, you just at least make you think a little bit and yes. sort of like change your life uh, in some incremental ways over time. Well, I, I, one of my best friends in high school, who was this guy very much like me, Catholic, went to the same church as me, mm-hmm. um, conservative family, conservative viewpoints. And then I started, I started dating this girl and she was like a hippie. She was this Indian girl. And I remember me and that friend, that that friend had had a conversation with her where she was like, oh, do you think I'm going to hell because I'm not like Catholic or Christian? And he was like, yes. I remember remember hearing that and I was like, hold up, hold up, hang on. This girl is very nice. (laughs) Yes. Didn't do anything wrong. Why? I don't believe that that's right. If, you know, her and the billion other people who have her viewpoint going to hell because they don't come to our Catholic church. Yeah, I remember that was the beginning of kind of me straying and being like, well, I guess that doesn't make sense if I think about it from a different yeah. person's point of view. Totally. I uh, I famously love making this show about myself, so I'll share a funny, embarrassing, similar story, sort of similar story where I remember being very young, probably like eight or nine and being in the car with my mom, I think coming home from like elementary school and uh you know, me knowing that like one of my best friends uh, uh, was not Christian, his family, I don't know, his family was like agnostic or atheistic. They were like the coolest hippies in town. They were awesome. But I remember being so upset, being like, mom, so does that mean that Nick is going to go to hell? And just it like just consuming me, being so scared for my friend. And then that little seed eventually being like, because he was like the nicest kid, so loving and welcoming to me as like a little, as just like a, the weird kid growing up that I think that was, it was a similar conflict that was going on. Me seeing this person that, you know, nobody's perfect, but was just such a, a warm figure in my life. And that just messing with my mind and not yeah. understanding that. And that sort of, I think probably planted the seeds for years later, me dissenting heavily from from that sort of viewpoint uh and and i i I think there's nothing wrong with having a religion having faith believing in god all that stuff but i remember for me we're way off topic now (laughs) for me just like what what trips me up is people who are like yeah the bible is true and i'm like well are all religious texts and myths true like yeah what why why this one you know and yeah uh yeah it's tough it's 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 hard it's hard to be like yes i believe in god and uh the origin as put forth in this book well what about all the other books aren't they just as evidence-based as your religious text um but it's mine but it's mine we read it uh yeah so this one is the real one yeah and it's what anyone who anyone who claims they have secret knowledge that you don't have access to i don't believe you Except me, though. You always you do believe me when I tell you that, right? Well, dude, you look into that hat and you are able to read that text that no one else can. And I don't know where you found those golden plates, but I believe you. 
Thank you, Mike. Uh, I have always thought of myself as a bit of a Joseph Smith. Um, and Finally, you we got a... to it. We got yes. to Joseph Smith. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, man, you've been spending a lot of time in Utah. Um, gosh. Uh, gosh, that's – thank you for going down that road with me, though. That is really um, really interesting to think about. And I think some of those things, like, I, I definitely pop up in my mind um, from time to time or even just, like, thinking about – you know, your journey as a person and who you are and who you're, who we're all still sort of becoming. And I can be really self-critical of a lot of the things that I've done. Um, and then it's like, well, you can only, you can only, uh, you know, do with you. I have no, no idea what I'm trying to say besides that, uh, there, you only have the time that you have now. Does that make any sense? Yes. And and I (laughs) save me, Mike, save me. I think you only have time with now. And also, when you're presented with new information, it's okay to change your mind. Yeah. And in fact, like, I think that's admirable. And I think the process of aging is a process of learning more and growing less certain about many things. And, uh, yeah, I don't know how to negotiate that, but I'm just saying, like, you know, you, you, you get older and you're like, oh, I things are a little more gray than even I believed and totally yeah well i feel like you at least saved me from my incoherence so i do appreciate that um so man you've already painted just such a like a really uh clear picture of like what was sort of going on for you at the time um was this something that you would just like were you playing this after school was this like your weekend thing yes yes okay i i would just go up in there and I, I, I remember I wouldn't even save at the end of it. Like I would just be on these crime <laughs> sprees and then I wouldn't save because a lot of times I would end up losing all my money in the yeah. course of a crime spree. So I, I don't know if auto saving was even on at that point, but I mm. wouldn't save what I was doing. And yeah, it was more, it was literally a, a, a sandbox to play in. Yes. Um, and you know, and the crime, the, it was a lot of crime. I won't lie to you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think... And I think this was around, I don't know, what year was Columbine? But we're in that time period as well. Yeah. You know? The may have was, I feel like that was like the late 90s, but I don't remember for sure. But I remember. But it was also, right around there. Yeah. And that, that's another reason why I think it was sort of, even just talking about it now, I'm like, I feel a sense of like, not guilt, but I just, that I was doing something inappropriate, just sure. mind, mindless violence. But yeah. I don't know. I, I believe that there is no connection between violent video games and acts of violence. And I would say you get them out of your system. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like a, a bit of an outlet. Yeah. And in the future, when we're having some sort of virtual hunger games thing, everyone will be like, this is good. It's good that we're pretending to kill each other. Yeah. This is fine. In real life. Yeah. Cause uh, if we didn't have that, then we would be doing it. Um, Interesting. Uh, as far as the game, uh, I know it seems like I know how you were playing it at this point, but are there any like things you remember specifically in game that were really fun aside from the general sprees that you would go on? Is there any memories you have from like big moments in that game? I don't, I don't know if I can really remember moments of the story. Mm-hmm. They would be more of those organic moments of running around causing havoc but i think i believe this game had 
the talk radio stations on it. I think so, yes. And I do remember, uh, first of all, there was like a conservative kind of like a Fox News type like thing <laughs> that, I, that I remember loving. This and, guy's smart. No, <laughs> like I, I'm loving to make fun of it. And then also, oh, gotcha. La- was, was this the game that had Laszlo in it as one of the DJs? Do you remember him? I do not know. I forget who it is, but he's a character in the series, and he would, uh, you know, he was sort of like a shock jock, their take on a shock jock in the game, or like a mm-hmm. guy hosting like a Z, Z Morning Zoo kind of show. Yeah. And it was very funny, and I, I remember it was, I remember thinking about writing and comedy, uh, oh. listening to that sometimes. Um, Interesting. And being like, oh, this is very compelling to me as well. Like, hmm. Because I think part of the reason those games did take off is the radio stations and like yeah. all the writing that they did for all the DJs and um, yeah, I, I think that really elevated the game and uh, brought it to another place that interested me. Totally. Is it, when did you first act, even take like an interest in like comedy and writing? Was it was it at right after this? Was it years later? Years, years, years. Yeah. Later. I mean, when I was in college undergrad i was a creative writing concentration but i i was a complete idiot in undergrad like i was not serious and i just kind of harbored a vague desire to be like i'd like to be a writer sure yeah and then uh and then that that desire turned into i want to be like a short story or novelist you know like Mm -hmm. i was really into david foster wallace listener Uh i sound like the most stereotypical white guy you've ever heard (laughs) but i i swear to you i'm I am interesting. I know I am interesting. We're going to get uh, there. <laughs> and I remember yeah, reading David Foster Wallace and being overwhelmed by it and being like, I'm going to be like this. And yeah. I guess there is some, he is funny in a kind of way, or like George Saunders, that is like, it is funny. But it really wasn't until I was 29 and I moved out to L.A., that I was like, I even took a comedy class or yeah. I had lived in New York. I'd lived in Austin, Texas, both places with healthy comedy scenes, but I just had never, I had never thought about it as a real thing you could do. Hmm. And I don't know, even though looking back, I'm like, what did I like doing in high school? Making people laugh, like talk, you know what I mean? What did like, yes, I had no other skills. Kind of. mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, interesting. What about, uh, what about you? I what got you here? Oh, Mike, turning it around on me. Um, dude, I think it, it's always been something that I've enjoyed or been interested in. I think from a uh, very early age, I think I've always sort of, uh, kind of like you were saying, had a knack for just making people laugh. Um, I think something that I've always been able to do really well is like in like no matter what the situation is, turn something into, this sounds terrible, but turn something into a joke or like, I mean, what we kind of try to do at the basis of comedy is like find the funny. Like what is what is funny about this? What is like uncomfortable? I think as even a little kid, I could, I was just like very precocious. I was very much like a Macaulay Culkin type kid. I was uh, which getting left home alone. All the time, like once I get, but by the third time, mom, um, my, uh, uh, my grandma, uh, f- famously, uh, told my parents that he's going to be the next Jerry Seinfeld, um, Whoa. when I was like very young. Um, uh, so sorry, grandma to let you down. Um, but, uh, 
anyway, I took it. I it was always something I was interested in, and then um, uh, I I liked drawing and writing just like little stories and then uh, one of my friends and I started like uh, making like 3d movies on the computer and so that was a thing and then I would use video cameras it was a lot of it was almost nothing original it was almost always emulating or copying stuff but like putting my own voice on it which Mm -hmm. sometimes I'm like well that's kind of a lot of what we do anyway but uh it was heavy on that and then yeah, I like made did a few things in high school, but not much. Loved performing, but sort of like shied away from like theater. I did a, a few things, but I never wanted to like dig into it. And then I, by the time like it was, I guess time to go to college. Thus, I only one I like didn't know what I even wanted to do until I was like, oh, maybe I'll major in film. And there was only one school I had gotten into that had a program, so I went and then. It was funny, like like a lot of, even early on, it was like things that I enjoyed and had fun doing, but for the most part, I didn't really have a lot of ownership over. Um, it was, and that's something I still think about even today with creativity. I think we were maybe talking about this, or I was talking to you about this when we went to the flea market, but it's this sense that I'm always sort of having, I, I have a lot of interests. I have a lot of things I like doing. I love doing all this video game stuff. Um, there's there's a lot that I really like, but I will I go through seasons where I'm like really dedicated and into something like writing and filmmaking or comedy or gaming, whatever. And then it's always me having to like come back to it as opposed mm-hmm. to being like consistently uh, doing something. And I don't know if that's because my interests are so scattered um, or maybe i'm just my passion isn't at like the level that some other people have but yeah so i'm sure you were hoping for that entire rundown on your yes. episode of the show yeah no i i think it's interesting when you're talking about like all i all i was doing was emulating or copying other people's stuff yeah but that's how i i think everyone who's funny had a, a part of their life where they what funny to them was just quoting a movie you know what yeah. I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it's easy to make fun of that, but I think a lot of people start at that place of like, okay, I'm just going to be quoting old school to my buddies and we are going to yes. laugh. But, totally. Yeah. Um, but, and I wouldn't feel bad about bouncing around to projects. You know, I, I think when I first started trying to get serious about making stuff and writing, I, I, people would be like, just work on one thing, really get it good. Mm-hmm. But now I think I've, I flipped on that where I'm like bounce around to 12 different things because a, you don't know what's going to be good. B, you know, you don't know which thing is going to like actually take. Yeah. And you can use like, you will burn yourself out if you're just working on one thing, I think. Oh but yeah. You can be like, okay, no, I'm going to go work on this dumb thing that I really like. You know, totally. You can, now you're feel, it feels like you're taking a break, but you're still creating. Absolutely. It almost, I think this was maybe something that you're getting to getting to and that we discussed the other day was uh, almost like letting your mind sort of wander subconsciously while you're, while you're doing something else. And mm-hmm. like if you're maybe struggling with, you know, whether you're writing a pilot or 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 whatever you're working on, um, sometimes taking moments away from that can be really healthy and just sort of free you up 
And uh, I found that has been extremely valuable for for me in a lot of senses. Sometimes that's, oh, it took um, four years for me to write and shoot this pilot um, because I did that like three times. But that's, I guess, why you might want to work on a few things at once is to have a few irons in the fire. Um, We are... I think what if any if there's anything that comes out of this episode, Mike, is that we've given the uh, bulletproof plan to how to make it as as writers in uh, comedy. We really have. Well, I mean, I think it's funny. I think about Grand Theft Auto in relation to my career in a certain way. Maybe not Grand Theft Auto Three as much, but Grand Theft Auto Four with that's yeah. with Nico, right? I I don't know honestly. I, listener i think it is nico he, he <laughs> plays like an eastern european immigrant comes to uh, liberty city and he you know works his way up from living in a disgusting shack where he's working mm-hmm. at like a taxi cab company to you know at the end of the game you have a penthouse apartment in a helicopter mm-hmm. like an attack helicopter and all this stuff and you you run the city and i i thought about that in relation to my own career many times being like Okay, that's okay. I don't like where I'm at, but I'm in the first level of the game. You know what I mean? Like, okay, here we go. Full circle. Full circle, baby. Well, like, yeah. I, I remember one of the first things I did in LA. I got this job as an unpaid intern reading scripts at a literary management company. Okay. And I remember I got in there to interview, and it was like two offices, one shitty, you know, just covered in paper, bad carpet sad you know just a sad vibe in there yeah and i remember being like okay i'm almost 30 i'm not even getting paid here and this place is a shithole and you know i'm not doing it but then i was like hey dude you're just where this is level one you know what i mean like it's a slow process of upgrading by you get in there you work hard uh prove yourself here and then just try to get to that next thing you know yeah and I think I so yeah to tie the journey of a career and also playing Grand Theft Auto video games. I I do I do think about that. That's uh really really cool to hear and and sometimes I think can we can use like a a healthy refresh and a change of perspective like that um when it comes to I mean a lot of what we've been discussing in the last handful of minutes is you know trying to you know, achieve your dreams and and feel like you are, uh, you know, you're making steps towards what you actually want to do. So that's cool, um, dude. Thank you so much, Mike. Um, unless there was a, uh, you know, more you had to say about your experience with the game or the game itself, um, I do have some fun uh, post show segments to present to you. Let's post it up. All right. Uh, so the first of which, uh, Mike, is the fact me by your game segment and that's just where i share some fun facts with my guest about the video game they've chosen um today i've got um some development history and uh and a couple easter eggs for you so the first one i have uh titled motion capture this punk uh and so many of the game's characters uh were animated using motion capture technology filmed at a rented studio in at the brooklyn navy yard um though this was very limited to technical constraints of 2001. This is like sort of, I mean, I'm sure they had done mocap uh, for games before, but this is pretty early. And I honestly, at the time, don't know what resources DMA or uh, 
or Rockstar even had, a lot different than today. So they were able to, you know, make it work for the main characters of the story, but animated and animating NPCs was apparently very difficult, especially for some reason when they would enter uh, and exit cars and also drive them. Um, and so this proved to be a really difficult thing for the team and they had to work on, uh, they had to find all sorts of workarounds with, uh, with like keyframes and other stuff I don't understand. Um, but really... You know, not only was this, like, very early open-world game, um, but uh, early for mocap uh, acting in games, too. Um, and it, show, it shows. The game animations were very choppy. They yeah. Were not <laughs> smooth. It was not like playing God of War now, where you're like, yeah. if, you, if you make your eyes go unfocused, you're like, this is real. Yes. It was not like that. Yeah, much different time. Uh, the second fact I have for you is the Pen15 Club. So if you spend enough time around Liberty City's university, you'll eventually see a pedestrian who is carrying a pad of paper. I'm assuming this is probably like a student. And if you kill this pedestrian and his notepad will fall on the ground, and if you zoom in, you can see that there's just a cartoonish drawing of a dick and balls. Hell yes. Yeah. So, and again, that's exactly what I was going for at age fifteen. You know hell I mean? yeah! That was my. That I was the target audience for that. So that's good on you, Rockstar. Absolutely. And Mike, if you like hairy balls, there's some hair sprouting out of those testes. Are you looking at the picture? Uh, not right now, but I looked at it earlier, and it's uh, very silly. Um, Did you email that to me? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, I'll be sure that gets to you. Send uh, it encrypted. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. That's the only way I send stuff. Um, delete this. Delete me saying this on the podcast. Yeah, this will be edited out. It's being cut. Uh, the last fact I have for you is uh, a sign of things to come. So there are a number of advertisements around Liberty City, both uh, on billboards, posters, all sorts of stuff. Um, and then there is one that was a uh, little foreshadowing to the location of the following gta game uh for gta 4 vice city so there is a big billboard um it's on one of like the edges of the map right by the uh by the i guess it would be it's like the ocean or the lake or the bay whatever it is uh and it's like a tourist billboard advertising uh taking a trip to miami um which of course is the what the location of the next game was based off of whoa and it's kind of crazy to see that it came out the next year yeah. Well, yeah, and what was the development cycle? Because now, I mean, we're waiting on Grand Theft Auto 6 for going on te- a decade? How long has yeah. it been since? It's been, I, th- I want to say that was 2013. Um, yeah. So it's eight and a half years now, going on nine. Like, yeah, much different, much different time when, you know, just sequels to games would just get pumped out. Um, very interesting. Uh That'll do it for the Fact Me By Your Game segment, and I will go ahead and usher us into the game recommendations, Mike. So this is my one uh, forced tie-in to the movie Call Me By Your Name, of which this podcast is named after, and I'm going to treat GTA 3 as your summer passionate love that you are eventually going to move on from, quite like uh, Timothy Chalamet and Army Hammer in this movie. So uh, each of these wrecks are going to be based on a specific trait from GTA 3, that I that I think you might um, 
might be attached to. Um, the first of which is if, Mike, you just want another game heavily influenced by cinema genre, by a specific cinema genre uh, in an open world, I'll go ahead and recommend Skyrim. Um, have you dabbled in that game at all? I have played Skyrim. I have played it. I played it on Xbox. I didn't finish it because my the aforementioned Red Ring of Death. Yes. Um, but I was into it. I, I really did like it. Um, I love. I do love first person RPGs. Mm-hmm. Also, like I'm a big you do. Fallout guy. I'm a big Fallout guy. I loved uh, Outer Worlds. I don't know if you played that. That's also really good. Yes, absolutely. Um. um then you, I recommend you... a game. Oh no! I just I'll keep recommending games to you. <laughs> Great, perfect. Yeah, no, I, I love Skyrim. I again, Skyrim though, again, another game. We talk about development cycles. They've been remaking Skyrim for the past ten years, just like they've been remaking Grand Theft Auto Five. You know, truly, and probably will whatever the next gen is, they'll have an, a Skyrim gen like a brand new one for that. Uh, yeah. So the obviously GTA Three is heavily influenced by like uh, crime and mob movies, like like Goodfellas and, and so many others. So this was kind of... Skyrim was heavily influenced by like the fallout from the Lord of the Rings and the beginning of Game of Thrones, all that sort of stuff. Um, the next recommendation is if, Mike, you're just into shooting and killing, I'll recommend Enter the Gungeon, which is a, a twin-stick shooter from 2016 that uh, a lot of people really love. So if you just want to just be shooting, then that'll be the game for you. I don't know what this game is, and I don't know what twin stick shooter means. It's so a twin stick shooter is where you're using one stick on a controller to to move the player or the 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 character, and the other to aim where you're shooting. So it's oh, okay. they're generally they are often top down games, and you're just sort of like pointing in the direction that you're that you want your character to aim, essentially. Um, what, but this is Enter the Gungeon. What is this on? It's on a lot. It's probably on PS4. Um, let's see. It's definitely on Switch. Might be on computer too. Let's see. I'll look it up right now. Enter the Gungeon. I thought it sounds like Enter the Gungeon. Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> Misa like this recommendation. Um, oh yeah. So PS4, Xbox One, Switch, um, oh, Windows. Yeah, it's on. Fun. It's on. It's on a lot of stuff. So yeah, and then. The uh, final recommendation uh, that I have for you, Mike, uh, once I can get back to my page. Um, come on, computer. You can do it. All right, there we go. Uh, is if, Mike, you just want another open world game where you can get your sex on, I'll go ahead and recommend Fable. Did you ever Woo! play that on Xbox? I did play Fable. Fable's okay. fun. I remember that game was, like, super hyped. They were like, you yes. can choose to be good or evil. Mm-hmm. That was like a, <laughs> a huge selling point for that game. Yes. It, Peter, um, Peter Molyneux? Peter Molyneux, uh, who definitely oversold the expectations for the game. It's one that I really love, but that's because I had no idea about it before I played it. So I wasn't mm-hmm. expecting a like true open world, because this is, Fable's not an open world. It's no. it's it's similar to like a like a, it's sort of a world that's pieced together by by a loading screens, which, you know, it's a fantastic game. And there's a lot of boning you can do. You can woo yes. people and then they can bone you. So I mean, if we're talking boning games, I think Mass Effect is a great game to get your bone on. 
Of course. Uh, the Witcher 3. Oh. Another RPG. You can definitely um, see some boobs. Gosh. Well, and some butts. Well, dude, don't leave out the butts. Well, Mike, there are your three very serious recommendations from me, uh, and that'll end the game recommendation segment, and that'll actually bring us to the end of the show. Um, so can't believe we're already here. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to do this, Mike. It's been nice to have a few reasons to hang out and catch up lately. Um, is there anything you'd like to plug or promote on your way out today? Um, you can uh, follow me on Instagram at MikeChristian0 if you'd like. Um, uh, or on Twitter at at Mike Christian Jr. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm more of a lurker, but uh, every now and then I'll have something to promote, and that's where you can see it. Um, yeah, and if you uh, if you really want, you can you can watch <laughs> Studio C, which is a TV show that I write on. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, just. Um, just if you do want to hire me to write on your television show, uh, please hit me up. That's all. I'd like to promote you getting me uh, a job. So thank you. And uh, yeah, so just stalk Mike on Twitter and DM him because I know you're listening. Um, uh, who, who could be listening? Right, Gersh Agency. <laughs> um, well, thanks you're again, Mike. And you want to rep me? Uh, I'm famously unrepped. Um, yeah, so I want to reach any agency or even a manager. That'd be great. So. Anyone really uh, who wants to help Mike out, please do it. Well, thanks again for doing it, dude. I'll go ahead and close this out with some plugs of my own. The cover art for Call Me By Your Game is, of course, done by Glenn J. You can find him and his other wonderful work on Instagram at Glenn with two N's dot J. A Y. Just a reminder that if you're looking to support us, the most helpful thing you can do is follow us on and sub- <laughs> follow us. Well, you got to pay for it. Uh, join us on Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/SuperNPCRadio, where we have a ton of uh, wonderful bonus content. Mike is going to be on soon. Um, in fact, the week that this episode comes out, um, you will uh, the week after this episode comes out. Excuse me, the, you will be getting the next co-op episode of the call me by your game series all about god of war with mike christian nick costanza and matt apodaca um it's gonna be a huge one again at the ten dollar dj toad tier the show is produced by jeremy schmidt and also he composes the music for it so you can find him and his other uh another show he runs at video games a comedy show wherever you get your podcasts i am on social media at connor underscore mccabe and on twitch where i sometimes stream video games at twitch.tv slash cons with a z so c-o-n-z is cool 69 that'll do it for this episode of call me by your game we will see you on the next one